Indiana's attorney general facing serious accusations after a state lawmaker and three other women accuse him of inappropriately touching them. But what happens next, with some now calling for Curtis Hill's resignation? Today, we hear from the reporter who broke the story and discuss the potential ramifications. Plus, tomorrow, the president names his pick for the Supreme Court. Could a judge with Indiana connections be at the top of his list? It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. This week, a bombshell report accusing Indiana's Attorney General Curtis Hill of inappropriate contact with a state lawmaker and three legislative staffers, now even leaders of his own party, are calling for his resignation, while the AG says he's not going anywhere. The governor saying in a statement Thursday, quote, four women had the courage to step forward to report sexual harassment by the Indiana Attorney General. The findings of the recent legislative report are disturbing, he says, and at a minimum show a violation of the state's zero-tolerance sexual harassment policy. The governor says, I concur with Senator Long and Speaker Bosma that Attorney General Hill should resign, and I support a thorough investigation by the state's inspector general. Nick McGill has more. In a confidential report obtained by the Indy Star, four women, including one lawmaker and three legislative staffers, all say Attorney General Curtis Hill inappropriately touched them during a party celebrating the end of the legislative session. Tony Cook is a statehouse reporter with the Indy Star who broke the story. In the report, a lawmaker alleges that Hill put his hand under her clothes and grabbed her buttocks. Another woman says Hill slid his hand down her back and groped her buttocks, while two other women allege Hill also grabbed them in a way that made them feel uncomfortable. There were some other folks who witnessed uh, some of these things happening, and uh, there were also some other staffers who told legislative leaders that he had made some, what they saw as some inappropriate comments. In a statement, Attorney General Hill denies the allegations. With 13 words, Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill pushed back against those calling for him to step down, saying, let me be clear, I am not resigning my position as Attorney General. People take these allegations very seriously. Today, the big question is, what effect will it have? Laura Wilson, a political science professor at UND, says maybe nothing. Well, in the memo, there's no indication that we will have further legal proceedings or anything like that. It may just be an acknowledgement of what has already happened. Hill is currently not facing any charges. Regardless, he will face scrutiny from his voters, who ultimately have the say in his future. He still has two more years, as you know. So what he plans to do, I, I think, depends on how this goes. All right, Nick McGill reporting there. Nick, thank you. I'm joined now by Indy Star reporter Tony Cook, who broke this story along with his colleagues Ryan Martin and Caitlin Lang. Tony, thanks for being with us today. Attorney General Hill flat out says he's not stepping down. A lot of people, though, are calling for his resignation. Now, what happens next here? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is going to depend, depending on what he says and what other leaders in the party say, you know, that could increase pressure on Hill to resign. Ultimately, though, it's going to be up to him. Um, nobody controls that office except for him because he is an independently elected official. And so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that. There was a rally at the State House planned for Saturday. And so I think uh, what's going to happen within Hill's own party, uh, he's a Republican, of course, is what's going to determine you know how just how much pressure he's under uh, to step down and certainly Curtis Hill has been a rising star in Indiana politics in Republican politics 
Uh, can right. he survive this pressure at this point up till this point he he's essentially been denying that this even took place. That's right. And you know in this day and age you know of the Me Too movement I think it's going to be difficult for him uh, to weather this. But at the same time you know you've had allegations against the president who seems to have weathered them just fine uh, throughout the 2016 election. So it's really hard to tell. Uh, what's going to happen here um, in this kind of environment. Obviously, uh, in journalism, we, we do not disclose our sources uh, in sensitive stories like this, but is this something that the public would even have known about at all, do you think, if it weren't for uh, whoever it was that did leak some of this information to your team there at the Indy Star? Yeah, I don't see any indication that any of this uh, would have been made public. I don't see how these allegations would have came to light. Otherwise, uh, the memo that was the source of the information was marked as, you know, confidential and attorney-client privilege. And as far as we can tell, you know, legislative leadership who oversaw what is basically a human resources type investigation here, um, you know, there's no indication that they plan to make these allegations public. As far as we can tell, they planned at some point to meet with Curtis Hill, uh, speak with him privately and sort of address uh, the allegations with him privately and tell him that, you know, this kind of behavior is not to be tolerated. But uh, there's no indication that anybody else outside of that tight circle would have ever known about these allegations. Uh, if you know this document hadn't been made public. You know, I think what stands out in this case is that you have four different women uh, making accusations as well as two additional witnesses who kind of corroborate a lot of what the other four say and so it makes it hard to uh, dispute the fact that there seems to have been something that happened that night at the bar involving Curtis Hill. Um, but you know this also was an investigation handled by legislative leadership, not by any kind of law enforcement agency. And uh, certainly there's been nothing like, you know, this case hasn't been prosecuted in any right. kind of way. And so, you know, that makes it really hard to know if there are any other facts that should be taken into account. Um, so the whole thing, I think, is going to take a long time to unpack. Many questions remain, no doubt. Indy Star reporter Tony Cook, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tony. Meantime, this week, the Democratic Party chairman, John Zodi, is calling for Hill's resignation, saying, quote, these actions are never acceptable. We believe the multiple allegations against the attorney general are serious and raise material doubts over whether he can effectively carry out the duties of his office. Attorney General Hill should spare Hoosiers from this controversy and resign from office, says Chairman Zodi. This week, we also caught up with Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly. The allegations are really, really troubling, and the Attorney General is the lead and chief law enforcement officer for the state. I'm going to let that investigation uh, run its full course uh, before, uh, before I make any sort of decisions about that situation. I really think the Attorney General needs to sit down and take a long, hard look at whether or not he can still carry out the the, the duties of that office after all of this going on. And so um, I, I think first we need to have Attorney General Hill take a look and say, can I really still continue to do this job after all of this has happened? Obviously he thinks he can. So far yeah. he said he's well, not stepping down. You know, I, I, I think he'd be well served by taking another look at that.
All right. Up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll hear what Senator Donnelly and Senator Young are telling us about the president's pick for Supreme Court. That official announcement coming tomorrow. But up next, much more discussion on this Curtis Hill controversy. Bob Donaldson talks with our panel about what's next for the attorney general after the break. Everyone, I'm Bob Donaldson here with our panel, joined by former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. Thank you both for coming in on such an important week. What a week it was. Um, we were going to ask, uh, can he survive this? Can Curtis Hill survive this? But then on Friday, he puts out a, a very, very strongly worded statement saying, I am not resigning. The allegations against me are vicious and false. At no time did I ever grab or touch anyone inappropriately. Uh, Curtis Hill goes on to say, I demand an independent investigation by the Marion County Prosecutor's Office where my constitutional rights are respected and protected. So the first obvious question, Jennifer, is how surprised are you that the uh, the attorney general is digging in his heels like this? I'm, I'm very, very surprised. I honestly thought, um, well, actually, I thought uh, last Monday when this all first surfaced that he might be able to survive it through the July 4th holiday. It was going to maybe go away. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the governor got back in the state. He made a very strong statement that was matched by pretty much every other Republican in the state, as well as Democratic leadership. And for Curtis Hill to dig in in that kind of uh, criticism from his own party is, is hard to believe. I understand what he's saying. He wants a legal investigation. I'm just not sure if I was in his position in the court of public opinion that I would actually want to go forward in the court of law knowing how tricky that could be to navigate. I want to come back to that point, but Mike, I want to get your reaction to the statement that the Attorney General put out on Friday. Well, I think it's human nature, first of all. You see that throughout history when people are accused of things. They, you know, the famous Richard Nixon, I am not a crook, you know? Sure. Psychologists will tell you that the, the average person doesn't hear the word not. They just hear the word, this phrase, I am a crook. And so I think the statement is what it is. It's been made. He can't take that back. I think he has a right to an independent investigation. Um, I'm not familiar with, you know, Terry Curry's methods or anything like that, so I don't know what his attitude will be. But it's very tough to survive. I had a longtime political veteran call me uh, yesterday and say, uh, Curtis Hill's political career is over. It's just a matter of when he realizes it. Well, and that's the question I think you were getting to, Jennifer, is that you have a legal issue here, potentially, if the prosecutor's office decides to take action, which they have not yet. But then, maybe more to the point, you have a political issue as well for the, the head law enforcement officer of the entire state. And this is a really, really difficult situation that he finds himself in to try to overcome. And it's also important to remember, even if he tries to run for re-election, the office that he currently occupies is not a primary elected office. It is a convention. And I can't honestly believe that two and a half years from now that all of the folks who just called on him last week to resign are suddenly going to come forward and support his candidacy again. Mike, doesn't somebody come forward and, and, and say to him, you have to do the right thing? Well, I think they have last night in a very bipartisan way, the, the, the Democrat and the Republican uh, leadership of the uh, General Assembly, the governor, uh, the lieutenant governor, the secretary of state, almost universally have, have made the same statement. Um, the uh, state Republican chairman has a role at some point. He said he's looking into it. I expect, uh, even though I don't know anything inside, I, I expect that he will give some statement at some point, maybe early next week. And so um, somebody, somebody should go forward, uh, maybe sit him down quietly. 
But uh, Curtis is a very uh, self-confident guy, to put it mildly. And I, I see him digging in deeper before this whole thing's resolved. All right, let's talk about the sequence of events this week. You had the story breaking through a leak um, with the memo. Um, then you had some, some backlash, frankly, from some of the, uh, the legislative leadership about the way the story broke. Then you have the governor coming back into the state and the story changing. Um, were you struck by the sequence of events, Jennifer? I was, and I was most struck uh, when the state representative uh, in, this, in this situation came forward, put her name and face out there on an op-ed in the Indianapolis Star, saying what had happened to her. That is not the usual uh, sequence of, of things for a victim or an alleged victim of a, of a crime like this. And, and I want to really give props to her. That, that takes a tremendous amount of bravery mm -hmm. to come forward and say, you know, it happened to me and I will put my name on it. I also think, you know, she's done a tremendous service to the other uh, four women we've now learned who were um, potentially there and, and were victimized by Curtis Hill um, in that this now gives this story a face. Now it is Mara Candelaria Reardon, and Curtis Hill, and who do you believe? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that more. Again, the state lawmaker involved in this, Mara Candelaria Reardon, came forward on Friday in an op-ed in the Indy Star saying, quote, I am not anonymous. I am a wife, mother, business owner, and a state representative. I am also a victim of sexual battery perpetrated by Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill. A very brave statement and, and one that uh, we didn't know was going to, to happen, Jennifer. No, I was actually in the middle of uh, anti-harassment training for our office when that push alert came across, and I was very surprised to see that. Again, not the normal standard uh, that we hold victims or alleged victims of sexual uh, crimes to, because they are to be protected. They are to be um, anonymous to a certain extent, certainly in the media, and that she ripped off uh, that, that Band-Aid and made herself vulnerable says a lot about her, but it also says a lot about what happened to her. Mm -hmm. Mike, I wanted to get some insight from you on the process, on what happened this week um, as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what was going on behind the scenes? Again, the governor coming back into the state and then really a united front by the Republican leadership in this state against Curtis Hill. Well, I was not in the inside meeting, so I want to put that clearly in front of us. But I will tell you that I've been a little disappointed in some reporters who who've tried to blame the legislative leadership, both Republican and Democrat, for delaying and hiding and obfuscating. They didn't do that. I think it was a very thoughtful process. This incident apparently happened, allegedly happened March 15th. Um, it was not reported until March 16th. And within four weeks, you had a pretty significant uh, legal investigation completed. I would be worried if it was done more quickly because it would mean it wasn't done very thoughtfully, right? And then over the past couple of weeks, um, they've moved toward the point they are now. Now, the governor was in the middle of Glacier National Park right. camping with his right. wife for the anniversary. I don't see how he was supposed to be doing anything while he's in the wilderness. And his, you know, he made a brief statement saying, I don't know much about this yet. I'm going to find out when I get back. He, the day he got back, he issued a very strong statement asking for the attorney general to resign. I don't know what, what more anybody, whether it's media or private citizens, could ask of the legislative leadership and the governor. I thought everybody... Uh, you know, everybody acted honorably. Now they did, they were a little ham-handed in their leak investigation Correct. announcement. It made them look like they didn't care about the victims. I think that was just a, that was a, you know, that was a, a bad move. But give, give us some perspective. How, um, how unusual is it that you would have the leadership 
I mean falling in line uh, to, to oppose someone in their party who, who is facing these well, kinds I of think, allegations. I, I think there's, there's a couple of examples. Some of them, excuse me, go back a few years. But in 2012, roughly, we had Tony Bennett, who was accused of some pretty significant things. They ended up going through the uh, Ethics Commission, and he was fined. Nobody, in my memory, uh, no governor or that level said he should resign, right? Go back to 1995 or so, 96, when uh, Sam Turpin was then the Ways and Means chairman, mm -hmm. was accused um, by several people, by Scott Newman, the then prosecutor, of steering you know, highway contracts to specific engineering firms as part of his consulting business. And even then, um, they were, he was never, uh, was never demanded that he resign. He, he did not run for re-election, obviously. All right, where do we go from here? I don't even know what an inspector general uh, investigation is going to look like. I don't either, and, and quite honestly, I hope that, um, that Marion County Prosecutor Terry Curry can do something. Has, I, mean, I know he has the legal authority to prosecute a, uh, a crime, and I have a question. I mean, I'm a lawyer, not a practicing one, but with Mara's statement, I mean, she basically said, this happened to me. I don't know that Terry Curry doesn't have, at this point, some sort of duty to go forward with that investigation that Curtis Hill wants. And so to me, the logical next step is, okay, let's get law enforcement involved, let's thoroughly investigate, let's find out what happened, let's find out if there was footage from that evening, and, and let's put it all out there. If this drags on, Mike, how much political damage is done to the, uh, to the Republican Party? Well, I, I don't think any at this point, because the Republican leadership has clearly come out in a very, very strong, forceful way, and you can't fault the Republican leadership for the actions of one person. If they are opposed to what he did and asked him to resign and to, and to resolve it that way, then I think the, the Republican Party is, is clear. Um, the inspector, you mentioned the inspector general. The inspector general's office does not have a great history of, of, uh, of burying its teeth, so to speak. Um, they've done a lot of prosecuting you know, people or, or going after people who illegally uh, mm -hmm. sell Mary Kay cosmetics from their offices and things like that. But they have not uh, been exactly the bravest operation over the last 10 or 12 years when it was founded by Mitch Daniels. So it'll be an interesting, interesting test of their, uh, their tenaciousness as well if it does go that route. Okay. Again, thank you both very much for joining us. Tomorrow, the president announces his pick for the Supreme Court. Coming up next, we hear from Indiana Senators Joe, uh, Todd Young and Joe Donnelly to get their thoughts on the potential choices with ties here to Indiana. President Trump expected to announce his pick for the upcoming vacancy on the Supreme Court tomorrow. Notre Dame law professor Amy Coney Barrett is reportedly still on the president's short list. President Trump has interviewed at least seven potential justices to fill Anthony Kennedy's seat. This past week, Indiana Senators Joe Donnelly and Todd Young spoke about the president's looming choice. We need somebody in the mold of a Justice Kennedy who was the, the justice that's retiring, who has a reputation for being moderate for being common sense, for respecting precedent. We need a faithful constitutionalist, someone who is highly credentialed. They understand the role of a judge is not to legislate from the bench, but instead to interpret the Constitution uh, as it was originally intended to be interpreted. So again, the president officially announcing his choice tomorrow in prime time, I might add. Um, it's uh, one that certainly puts Senator Donnelly in an interesting position in the middle of this midterm election year. Have to ask you both, is this a, is this a tough 
situation for, for Mr. Donnelly to be in, Jen? It is a very tough situation for him to be in, but he's used to that. He's been, uh, he's been dealing with that for a long time. He dealt with that with Gorsuch when he was nominated. And I think, as he has said repeatedly, he will take any nominee seriously. He will look at his or her credentials and qualifications for the job, ask tough questions, and vote accordingly. And I, I don't know, I don't live in Joe Donnelly's head whether he be for or against whatever nominee comes out tomorrow. But he's going to approach it from a Hoosier common sense standpoint like he approaches everything else. He's going to run the risk of alienating a lot of people in his own party, Mike. I don't think it's such a tough choice at all. I mean, no matter, I don't care if it's Amy, Barrett, Kavanaugh, whomever it is, it's going to be a conservative. And he might as well go ahead and vote for the conservative because what's he do otherwise? I mean, as you said, he, he, if, he, if he doesn't vote for them, he could lose the Senate race and then the Democrats maybe lose their only shot at taking the U.S. Senate back, right? So do they take, um, take short-term damage of not being able to get the Senate back in exchange for saving some long-term conservative attitude on the Supreme Court? I don't know. I don't know what the Democrats are thinking. But I think he's, he's voted for conservatives before. He's generally relatively conservative on the Democratic scale. I think he, he votes for the Trump uh, nominee, no matter who it is. I do think it's interesting that we're going to be finding out in prime time at 9 o'clock. The president is very familiar with primetime TV. It's kind of so like Geraldo Rivera it's, it's opening up the safe. I know, it's reality know. TV. <laughs> we're going to wrap it up after this. All right, just a few seconds left for this week's winners and losers. Mike, we start with you. Well, I have to start the winners. It have to be the Republican and the Democratic parties of Indiana who have done a great job of providing leadership in this Curtis Hill investigation. My loser has to be Facebook for deleting the words of the uh, Declaration of Independence and the lyrics of an Indianapolis gospel choir for being um, hate speech. All right. Well, and in which I agree with Mike, uh, I, my winners are also the Republicans and Democrats who came together to do the right thing, call for Curtis Hill to resign, um, and my uh, loser has to be Curtis Hill. And if I, if I could add another winner on there, mm -hmm. maybe not winner, it's, um, it's women who've had this happen to them in bars because, guys, I hate to tell you, it's not all that infrequent, but in this instance, it seems to be coming to light in a, in a very public and, and, quite honestly, affirming way for those who've had this happen to them. All right, thank you both for joining us, especially on a holiday week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday on In Focus.